0: Hi, this is Kim Drucker-Stockwell, and this is a quick introduction to my first podcast. There are some moments where the Zoom gets a little washy, and there's also a kitty in the background of Dr. Queen's screen, so um, there are some times where you hear us sort of referring to that. But anyway, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, it's quite the learning curve. Anyway, glad you're here. Thanks. So here we are, the very first podcast with Dr. Carol Queen, and we are going to talk about sex. Basically, I don't know what else we'd talk about. Talk about the weather? uh, Maybe should I talk about art? But talk about art? We talk about about art, but I think I'd rather talk about sex with you. And um, and in particular, I think just one of the vexing questions that nobody wants to talk about that nobody offered up questions um, in public because um, is it because we're, we're shy Americans or because it's just everybody is
1: it's a very private topic? Well, it's a private topic except when it isn't, right? I mean, I think that plenty of people have gotten pretty comfortable talking about sexuality, but that's not necessarily the average person you know, plenty mm-hmm. of people have tried pretty hard to, to get over their sense of reticence. But if your whole friend group, your whole community, the family then and the and the, the social context you come from, religious background, if any, if all of that sort of weaves together and the message that you get is at its most benign and positive, sex is private. Like <laughs> Keep it between you and the people that you're having it with. That's it. Or on the least benign side, sex is somehow really kind of shameful. Like I'm, I'm full of sexologist jokes, right? And this is one that I think hits really hard. Very brief. It's like a dad joke, only way more sex and all. That. <laughs>
0: What's um,
1: sex is dirty and nasty. Save it for someone you love. <laughs> right? Like, is that? <laughs> Is that a mixed message or what? And it's a fairly common one, I've got to say. So somewhere in the mix between we're just doing it behind closed doors like everyone else and that sort of toxic energy, it's kind of no surprise. And if you've got a friend group or a, a community together that doesn't talk about sex together, then who's going to start? Yeah. Well, you are because you're talking to me, right? But but that's yes, I'm going to be but the talking one. about your, your private shares with others. That's that may be something that that is a, a boundary that's a little too high for most people. And and if people are not feeling hurt around that, that's fine. You know, we don't all have to run around. You know, we don't we don't have to all be psychologists. I wouldn't have anything to do if we were all sexologists. But <laughs> but what we do have to do is seek comfort for ourselves, right? As much knowledge as we need as much self and other acceptances it takes for us to, to do whatever deeds we do and not feel weird about it. And then and because that 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 layers on to discomfort that's that's ongoing. Oh, and my cat is going to come talk about oh, sex now too. God, or, yeah, maybe that'll so be entertaining.
0: <laughs> Who knows it? Well, I guess so. When I first started off sort of trying to think of how I wanted what I wanted to talk about, and I thought about some big old broad questions like, um, not big old broad, like some big old broad, but like, oh, kitty, but um, <laughs> sort of open ended questions. She's so cute. Um, but like, why is sex important? I mean, it's, it's everywhere all around us and it, it makes us either feel adequate or inadequate, but maybe that's why it's important, I guess.
1: That's why. Uh, well, that's such a good question for starters. Let me just say, you know, so many people kind of come at sex, like, why is it so troublesome? Why does it bother us so? Why does it bedevil us? Why is it important? It's important because, honestly, speak. It's important because, uh, for one thing, it's you know it's the way our species moves from one generation to the next. It's mm-hmm. it's significant for that biological, social reason. That's that's pretty huge. There's this is going to go on the whole time, isn't it? Um, and. So that's a thing. Uh, everybody's got a sexuality, even if it's asexuality. You know, some everyone has some relationship to this thing that is sexuality uh, that that adds up to who we're attracted to, desires, what our sexual history is, maybe, and so many different so many different things. Like what's what's normal for one person isn't necessarily normal for another. Uh, but everybody, even the people who opt out are living in a world where many of the people around them are not opting out. So, so it's a social issue thereby, you know, people finding each other, people overcoming shame, people figuring out where they can learn things, people figuring out where the appropriate, sexually appropriate people for them to date and marry and maybe have kids, you know, it's all we're in the soup, right? If that's one we're, reason it's important. we're sort of whether you
0: want to be or not it's it's a, that's right it's it's part so, so we and might that's the end of my question
1: that's the end of my answer there's one more thing yeah and that's because regardless of our feelings about it regardless of whether we ever had any whether we want to have any whether we might have any right now whether it's different <laughs> from us for us than when it used to be any of that we're still in this mix in this soup it's around us and is a place of both great pleasure and consternation and sometimes pain for people and that makes it important because we've got to figure out how to navigate it we've got to, we've got to find our best relation to it if we can and sometimes that takes... Going out and finding those people we're supposed to know. Sometimes it takes learning things that we didn't know before because sex ed, sex is important, but sex ed is not a very good on-ramp to it for so many people, right? So it's, in fact, it's often not sex ed at all. It's something very different. So those are the reasons to me that, you know, that it's, we're soaking in it. uh, We need it. At least some of us need it to to reproduce the species and it's, a thing that many of us revel in and struggle over, sometimes all in the course of one weekend.
0: <laughs> well, and and so that kind of can lead me to this other question, which is um, given that I'm sort of focusing on the people that have been at it for a while, so mm-hmm. to speak, and there have been ups and downs and um, plateaus and valleys. And... And maybe the question is, let's say for, you know, all of those out there that have been with somebody for 20 some odd years, what if what if sex is, it, it's just so no longer part of the relationship that it, it basically has stalled. So what do if, what if couples do, and they still love each other and they just all, you know, they're just trying to figure out like, how do they, or what's even normal? Like maybe there's, I don't know, you don't know until you talk to people but but it kind of makes sense that if if that's a situation one or the other they're not talking about it and that must mean uh it's it it feels like a it feels like a failure maybe so people don't but everything else is okay but inevitably if every, eventually that that's not going to be okay
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're not friends you're husband and wife and it, does that mean, to me, it seems that sex should be a part of that relationship, but maybe it doesn't for everybody. But what if it does for some people, doesn't for others, but maybe both of those people wish they were having it?
1: Exactly. And also, the right. if two people who don't think that sex needs to be an ongoing part of a relationship, um, for whatever reasons, are married to each other, that might not be much drama for them. If it's one and the other, though, then it might. Right. So it's so it's situational in that respect. And and what's normal lift out of that. How how do they lift off? Okay, so so um, here are some here's some thoughts about that question. Um, It'll be different for different people to some degree, I think. Right. Uh, Partly because people, you know, communicate differently. They're. do their differences in love languages imply differences in sex languages? Perhaps. But I think one of the things that is really important to say in, in response to this question is it, it really helps for each of the people in a relationship like this to sort of, you know, like like when you, you go to AA and they ask you to do a searching inventory, right? Um, it doesn't hurt to do a searching inventory about, your, your sexual feelings, concerns, desires, think back in time and think about whether or not you had unhelpful or freak out sex education. Like, are there things that you're trying to to wrestle with alone that you're not sharing with a partner? That, that those kinds of questions. Because mm. not everybody will have that situation, but plenty of people do.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I was, sexually abused child, I'm not going to tell my partner that, that's that's just, oh. whereas others would, you know, tell their partner first and, and get that, that core of care and, and try to move through it in a relational way, right? So are you moving through things like this in a relational way? And sometimes that means go see a sex therapist and have a mediator in the room who knows the questions, who's seen plenty of couples say things like I don't know how to bring it up, but but bringing it up is probably the core uh, thing to help you get to the next level. The bringing it up, the being comfortable enough to sit in a conversation that might not be comfortable in all of its elements. If you're if you're both of you are a little a little freaked out about the state that it's come to after all this time, know that it's normal. It's not. It doesn't happen with everyone. But excuse me. Don't eat the dried flowers Hang on the wall squeeze <laughs> everybody's got different boundaries that's one of mine in my home <laughs> i don't eat the dried flowers damn it are <laughs> you <laughs> sure you want to eat that um, the idea that a person um, is is gonna talk about this stuff with their beloved if if there's if there's any feelings you know the feelings are likely to be there and then 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 the two people need to be able to sit with each other's feelings acknowledge validate say this is my perspective on that maybe do reflective listening to one another make sure that they're hearing the story that their partner is telling them as opposed to oh i knew i knew they were going to bring this up oh this is just freaking me out this is just like what happened you know 47 years ago when something else happened like no it's not <laughs> It's just like what's happening right now. So try to be present. Try to bring all of your communication skills. Some couples don't have good communication skills. So that'll be a thing to get on the path to try well, to get especially to Especially about this, is not this. Especially about this. And about I think you,
0: you said something once the last time we were talking, which was uh, we were, uh, you I'm gonna put a, a list of the books that you recommended, you know, when I did the interview last week, um, which were which I haven't looked at, but I, I just love the titles and I can see how they'd be helpful, like the one about the weekend, where and and you were you were saying how the concept of it's not like when you were dating where you're like panties in the corner. I just love the panties in the corner concept. And uh <laughs> and it's, it, even though I've said, it, I don't like that word, but I really like it in that context because it's a little, it's tongue in cheek anyway. And it, it, it makes the point of here we are, whether we're physically different or certainly mentally different 20 some odd years later, and the, the passion and that original, the pheromones that were working that made it us all together in the first place, well, you mm-hmm. know, it it feels, it feels like both an, an art and a science where, uh, Mm -hmm. there is science behind this stuff, but there's also art behind it. And it also doesn't seem to happen by accident versus the accident of meeting in the bar, hooking up and being in love for the rest of your life or whatever it is. Everybody's like met at the wedding or whatever. Um, and this, concept of well I guess that just sort of ran out I guess there's no more you know gas in the tank but but that's really not what you're saying when we're talking about the longevity of a sexual relationship is that it doesn't happen by accident it sounds like
1: no and and I think when when sexual relationships um don't reach this phase that we're talking about here this sort of you know midlife maybe mid-marriage phase where was being run by our 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 hormones and our brain chemistry Mm -hmm. quite literally at the beginning of a relationship has shifted to something else so it's that that is normal you know I don't always like that word normal because we Care ourselves to it, but mm-hmm. if this is helpful to say that that is normal, it mm-hmm. happens to many, many, many couples. It doesn't necessarily happen to all couples. Some people are more highly sexed. For that's a sort of an old-fashioned word. So, <laughs> so some people are more into sex than others. It's on a spectrum. Some people are more comfortable with sex than others so there may be fewer barriers to bump up against. Some people have really different experiences if so if you do or you don't have kids that that may be a quite a different playing field in terms of thinking about where you can fit sex comfortably into an otherwise full and busy life that can be a stumbling block for some people and and midlife is actually a time when when many couples figure out that they can unspool that a little bit. If the nest empties, I mean, that's a time that some couples really reconvene in the bedroom and and take it and take it as a, well, that was really busy. I really missed you. Let's, let's, let's do this, right. Let's, let's figure out how to get back to it. There's a, there's a sex therapist whose work I was reading, gosh, when I was first going to, to, through my sexology program. And I really liked a thing that she said. She was talking about relationships like this, where, where the 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 fire force sexuality appears to have banked, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that using that metaphor rather than going out, because going the fire going out is depressing. And and it's probably not what's really happened. It's probably banked and for good reasons that people just didn't because nobody tells us about this kind of stuff before we get married etc so we didn't no. know this was gonna happen no. and then it, and then you're nobody in said, it and then well what? if you find this happening <laughs> do that. and then you're in it and then you and then hey that's a that's a form of of just like okay this is our new normal this is our new normal. and and you know and kids and jobs and work and creativity and Social circles and family and all the things, all the things, none of which match up well to being open people about sex, right? All of those things I just mentioned, except maybe creativity, reinforced this uh, thing we started talking about, which was, at best, you've got to be private, you know, that's the best case scenario. That's not the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is more depressing than that. So all these things that you've been living with for 20 years have been reinforcing this, thing, this privacy. And that also means that finding the erotic energy you know, it feels like you're sort of slightly different self when you're turned on and randy, right? You're not exactly your work-a-day person, you're not exactly the mom or the dad or the parental figure. You're you're a little different. You're you it's a liminal state a little bit, you're out of that. And how do you get out of that if you're so in it? And that's where the great sex weekend comes in, of course. That that's book that it, I mentioned that's what it to was, you the book. Yeah. by two sexologists who tell you. Even if you have to save up your money to get your mother-in-law to babysit, go to a weekend and go through a process of reconnecting with each other step by step by step. It doesn't start with the throw the panties in the corner. It starts with being together, connecting. It starts with that and then we move in a more sexual direction, right? And that's a, and, and those are sex therapy hacks. And I started to say there was a sex therapist who said something that inspired me 30, 30, 35 years ago. It's that you don't have to be horny for your partner. You have to be willing to have a nice <laughs> experience with them. You have to have a, you have to be willing to have, and then, and then in this situation, Somebody has to figure out, or you both have to arrange it some way to get in the place where you can start to do the intimate touch, the quieting down, uh, the not just talking about you know, college applications while you're trying to get to a point where so it feels true. natural and wonderful to put your hand on their genitals, right? You've got to be able to separate out, and maybe somebody has to initiate that, that or you have a little... You know, a, a house meeting with you and your spouse, and you say, We're gonna carve out this time. The kids aren't here during this time. Let's just go lie in bed together, start to stroke each other, feel connected to each other, and then let's see what happens. Gotta be willing to be willing what to if, let what it if happen. You're not? So if anybody's if like
0: not, no. what, but what if well, okay. what if someone's in- someone's that's, not
1: that's another so so then the question is why right right if the if the isn't willing then some things would be the circumstances that get them to that place just aren't adequate to their need for getting over the the um I'm not laughing because of that. I'm laughing because no, of that. No, I know. heard the kitty he anyway, circumstances <laughs> that get us to this place. The circumstances are not what that person needs yet. They need. They need a. They need a longer runway, right? Or. Yeah. Or there's something going on in there. That's stopping them. Is it? Sexual orientation issues. Is it? Is it asexuality having come up in their life is it health issues health issues let's
0: talk about viagra and menopause like viagra and menopause not at the same time necessarily but i'm just saying they're both right these are two things although a barrier for some people um and i'm not you know we're just all this this world is new and i think a lot of people i don't know from what i understand Mm -hmm. i watch I watch the ads, it looks like men seem to be really excited about the concept of using Viagra, which I think is so interesting because it seems like, I mean, it just, America's so uptight. It just seems like something we'd be more uptight about. Like one second hunt, like, and they're like running through fields and such. But I, it seems like, gosh, women, you can barely talk about anything about women. We we get all embarrassed. So I, I love that that viagra has almost maybe that's a thing that's actually normalized sex like you have to wait till you're freaking pretty old and need to use viagra until you can be not be
1: embarrassed about talking about sex in this country well sort of although one of the reasons we don't see as much stuff about about women like on on commercials is that sometimes those commercials don't get made And then all said, you know, they get blocked. Oh, we're talking about women. Oh, no, no, we can't do that. You know, right. middle-aged older guy having a, an erection issue, you know, somewhere in the back of our heads, that was already normal. Right. I,
0: and well, those talking, are, we don't even know about it though. Like it's news to some of us that are getting, right. you know, into, it's just, it's just so interesting. Like, it's like watching, you know, in the old days when they had tampon ads, you know, and you're like, what, when you were a kid and you're like, what is, that like what does it even mean?
1: So and there was a fight to get those on the air too. I just wanted want to remind people who may not know this that there was a time when you could not see that kind of thing, it wasn't to be seen. And did people have issues with menstruation because of that? Yeah, yeah, they did. And sex is is similar in that way, right? So one of the things we're looking at with with the guy in his Viagra prescription is first of all, not all of them tell their partner before they take the Viagra. Sometimes they just go in the bathroom, pop a pill and then come back out and I don't know, 40, 45 minutes later, they've gotten kind of cuddly. You know, you, you don't necessarily know if your person is taking Viagra. Now, maybe you don't want to know, maybe you really would want to know, but that's a, that's a thing. Beca- and why? Because it historically has been Men's job in relationships to be sexual no. initiators. That's not yeah. how it is in all relationships by any means. Right. But that is talked about less than the the guy who wants to initiate but doesn't, you know, mm. get a response from their spouse. This is a different, a different thing, and it's a little more hidden. So plenty of us could not know that there are, oh, I don't know, three of my friend circle of eighteen people are, you know, having this issue or whatever. Then also. His self-esteem maybe, isn't always, but maybe super linked, especially in a sexual context, to -hmm. whether he's getting an erection when he he wants one, whether it lasts as long as he wants it to or thinks it should last. If he's reading his spam messages in the email (laughs) and screwed because he thinks it's going to be three or four hours and and any especially midlife or later (laughs) woman is going to go... (laughs) Four hours? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Have have go after that, you could fly to the islands or something <laughs> in four hours. stops <laughs> pantricas out there who are saying, Oh yeah, four hours, that's about right. You just have to continue to breathe the whole time. Fine, yes, it's not all <laughs> the same for everybody, right? But it is really um, it's a it's a significant, you know, we're talking about the why. The why in this case is. Because I am so upset and worried about this erection it stuff, and I don't want to talk to my partner about it because it makes me feel even smaller yeah. to admit that right. that's what's going on. Whereas some other people would go, "Oh, I feel so relieved. You know, we're on the same page now. I've I've offloaded my concern. You know, my partner has understood that we're 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 looking." you know, we're like, should we go to the doctor? Should we, we're starting to make a plan together. We're, yeah. And it's together. We're, and we're demonstrating to each other. I mean, this is a form of sexual intimacy, isn't it? You know, yeah. talking about sex and the issues and saying, let's see what we can do to try to get past this. And that's, again, sometimes you talk to a doctor and if the doctor doesn't seem to know what on earth they're talking about to you because doctors aren't trained in pleasure then you say is there somebody you can refer me to who is more commonly accustomed to talking about sexual issues and mm-hmm. people you know we are profile because we would like to get some answers about this and just make sure everything's okay because i started you know we started this conversation with the word you know with the word health right yeah erectile issues could be associated with systemic health issues and so you should see a doc and make sure that because it's going to be the last of your problems to have a non-responsive penis if what's really going on is systemic circulatory issues that are going to affect your heart or diabetes or things like that right yeah so go to the doctor yeah every well, year you, you should you do anyway in and- Theoretically,
0: to get the, to get Viagra or Cialis or any of those, you do need to
1: go to a doctor first. Theoretically, theoretically, theoretically but now oh. you can do this, but now you can do this over the internet or order the meds uh, from other countries and the sort of the legal, the legal framework in the United States that says go to a doctor, get checked up for the things that would um, mean that Viagra is counterindicated. Or, or any of, you know, or the cousin Cialis-Lavitra. I mean,
0: you get you like doctor- the doctor, to sign up. I mean, you'd want like, so, okay. So for some people who just are mortified about this, perhaps they're doing the internet version, but for sort of your everyday Joe, the smartest thing, best thing to do is to go to your doctor and make sure there's nothing else going on and then get a proper prescription.
1: That's- Even the mortified guys. Well, the mortified guys should too. I'm just saying. They should Take a deep breath, go into the doctor and say, this is happening to me. And I just want to make sure it's not a symptom of something
0: bigger. Or it's just normal. It's not my eyesight
1: and my hearing. Is is it right? (laughs) Now we've got glasses on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, life goes on people. It really does. It It just keeps going much as we want. We can't pin it at a particular <coughs> year. That's like, that was my best year. I just want to stay with this, learn from that year and live your life. That's what it means. But, but the idea that we could be, um, going to the doctor and not saying a single word about I'm having issues with my erection sometimes, or menopause. I think I might be entering perimenopause. Many Many people don't even know that word yet, right? right? So the perimenopause is the is the run up to actual menopause, which is when the periods actually stop, which can last so for that a long time, can last for a decade or so yeah. in some people, and and in the in the fifties somewhere is usually where the actual menopause periods stop happening mm-hmm. occurs, but the hormones are shifting. Um, the amount of hormones that you have in your body and what they're, what they're doing and how they're helping you function uh, is shifting during perimenopause, mm-hmm. and that can have several implications. So, uh, this would be another thing where if someone says, I never felt pain with intercourse before, but suddenly I'm feeling it and they're in their mm-hmm. mid, mid to late forties. That would be a reason to wonder whether paramenopause and, um, after menopause, it's, it's well known that that's a thing, but it mm-hmm. also can be a thing during paramenopause. Is that the reason? Is it time to think about hormone replacement for a while? Is there more that you could be doing to get aroused? Is lubricant going to help? There's a, there's a bunch of fixes, a bunch of, a bunch of variations to this. Uh, for some people, it's not that specific thing. It's just sex drive and libido going down it's hormonal it can also be associated with being super uh sedentary you were pretty active all of a sudden you're working from home and you're Kids are in college and you're just not getting up very many times over the course of the day, right? So it can, um, can be associated with that. So exercise can help with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, there are there's like a lifestyle Viagra thing that I, I, I give this speech everywhere I go, it seems, hmm. that if somebody thinks they need Viagra or some kind of medicine to help their libido, Viagra doesn't help the libido, by the way, right. but, but right. people think it does. So then placebo effect, maybe it does a little bit. If people stop smoking, uh, that's, yeah. that's like the probably the single most important thing that people could do mm-hmm. to help. Um, it's it's a blood flow question, and smoking yep. is not great for your peripheral blood flow. Right. Quit smoking. Don't drink too much. a yep. little bit, but don't drink too much. Not mm-hmm. as healthy for you as those studies two years ago suggested. So sorry, everyone. And uh, don't eat lots and lots of fatty foods. Right. Have a dessert. Sure. Lots and lots of your arteries. Again, genital feeling is blood flow. And if your feeling is going down and your erection is not going up, that's associated partly at least with blood flow. And then finally, at least take walks do the you know sort of the minimum midlife and above walking regimen that they suggest that you do. Move your body. If you're like, uh, I feel a little friskier than that. All right lift some weights go to the gym ride your bike dance yeah. dance together after dinner oh, think about what that was playing in the, playing yeah. in, the, in the pool oh, yeah when you, that met, one, you, know, you can download all that stuff now you can you can recreate the bar where you met easily enough um maybe <laughs> not the you know sticky beer on the floor don't recreate that oh, but no, the soundtrack and then dance yep and then reminisce and then see what happens. Couldn't hurt. Oh. So those things are all related. But but if you find a doctor who cannot help you with any of it, uh-huh. ask for a referral to a different doctor because that means that doctor a, we already know they don't get enough sex education in their regular medical school. I mean we know mm-hmm. that. Right. B, this doctor is personally uncomfortable having this conversation with their patient, and they don't think it's their job, and they weren't trained to do it. So in a way, it's not. Right. So find right. a one who is more comfortable. Maybe sense. somebody a little younger, they are often more, there's been more discussion about this lately. Mm. Uh, yeah. But it, it, it it's like it's like figuring out your fix, which is going to be slightly different from other people's fix because you and your person are slightly different from other people, and you bring your own individual you bring your communication Always. style your block that blocks and your desires and everything so i wish there was a one step oh that fixes it it's right. not that simple but desiring to be comfortable around this issue mm. seems to me basic seems to me to be basic, even the people who, who are uncomfortable at the very idea of having sex, I'm sure they don't want to feel uncomfortable, even if it doesn't even lead to having sex, they want to lose the discomfort and their their spouse that's bothering them wants to lose the discomfort. That could be a place to agree to start and then figure out, all right, well, what are our building blocks? What is our Jenga pile of, of things that really gets us to where we need to go? And what we have to be really careful not to pull a block out because it'll all fall down if we do, right? Um, it, it does seem, I mean, it is
0: obviously unique to everybody, um, whether, well, there's just so many moving parts for everybody's relationship. And mm-hmm. uh, so obviously there's no one size fits all, but do you find um, just in your education that there are other countries that are much more, much less, mm, Um, I mean, I think, I do think our country's gotten better. I just see with my own kids that they are much more open. And as a result, I've gotten much more, you know, it's easier to talk to them about their sexual experiences or their thoughts on sex anyway, than certainly than in my childhood and, um, and in my parents' childhood, it was so private. So, but with them, it's not terribly private. And though it sounds like the idea of sex um, shaming is still alive and well in like middle school or whatever, not sex sex, but just, you know, rumor mill or et cetera. It seems like that's still alive, but it does seem that in high school anyway, as far as I can see, and in college, people do seem to be more open to the concept that people actually are having sex and that nobody's going to go to hell for it so much, you know, and that it's not a bad thing, but, but we, we had a pretty big hole to, to crawl out of in this country. So I'm wondering um, what other countries or cultures are, are sort of more open and like, it's, it's more um, like a daily It's like nutrition as opposed to, uh, I don't know, whatever, shame. I
1: don't know. Well, I think that there are, um, wherever you look, there are always going to be the kinds of individual differences that I've been referencing, right? But- Mm -hmm. Um, one, one of the things that matters is the, the, the social context. And I think you're hundred percent right. Your kids are living a different social context around communicating about sex than you did, or that I did, or certainly that my mother did. Right. So Mm -hmm. those, I think that's a, that's a really correct intuition on your part. And, And some kids are missing out because of the way they're growing up or where, but, but, it's more of a norm for this generation than it's been. And that's really gonna be an interesting um, mm-hmm. shift to follow as we go forward. You asked about where in the world, um, Northern Europe is the, the general oh, answer I to that, about that Northern Europe is general, Scandinavia, um, um, the Netherlands. Mm. Um, these are places that have um, that had really adopted Education on a much more um significant scale than the United States ever did. The United States, as you, as you in, I mean, you said something that it makes me know that you know that we've got a whole group of people in this country who don't think it's appropriate and who think it's a sin, as a matter of fact, to be frank about this stuff. And and somebody can be not religious at all and still have privacy thing that they have come up with for sure it's that's where it comes from exactly Forces it certainly yeah. reinforce the shame depending and so these are places uh that since the end of the second world war at least have been much more um much more universal about giving us to sex education and it is i was visiting um Amsterdam in the nineties for a conference. And we started talking to people about differences and they were like, we don't even know what you people in the United States are even thinking like, what, what people come here and they're young and they don't know what dang thing. They didn't say dang. They don't really say, dang. In <laughs> but they don't know. They don't know enough to make their sexual decisions. Right, And that's what sex education is supposed to prepare us to do. But in the meantime, the attitude that, that it is presented with not only helps us make sexual decisions, but it also helps, if we're lucky, to normalize communication about sex, to help us think that sex and sexual difference are not big problems, they're possibilities and sometimes there are things to navigate just like with everything else so Mm -hmm. so in in the united states and this is part of the privacy piece in the united states sex is in a closet not exactly the same closet that the gays had to come out of but kind of next they're next to each other for sure right it can be a really beautiful walk-in closet with a lot of a lot of fancy stuff in there or it can be under the stairs like where harry potter had to sleep but it's a closet that means that there is not to take out and talk about and that might be fine for many people, but for people with issues, that's a barrier. That's a real barrier. So, so some of the people in Amsterdam are like, I was sexually abused as a kid. I feel terrible. I'm not gonna talk about this to anyone. But they even put together, they were like, Oh, okay. So we're gonna, we're gonna make sure that that teenagers don't get caught up in, in laws against um sexual exploration and we're gonna we're gonna make the age of consent relatively low and we're gonna boost information so that people don't consent when they don't want to and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then we're gonna make it okay for you to report somebody who's been bad to you until you're like 50 years old oh which isn't how we do it here either okay so so what are all the things Mm-hmm. These, these countries are like, what are all the things that, you know, what, what, what are the moving parts here? Let's try to figure it out. Let's try to legislate through the things that that's appropriate and, and just make it more comfortable and common for people to be communicative about this stuff. And that might be where our youngest generation is going to take us. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe. Um, so we'll yeah, we'll see. They
0: do, and, seem, they do seem much more open, but I am coming from one of the most liberal areas in the country,
1: so I I don't... Which matters. I don't know. Yeah, I don't matters. know where it really is normal. But which probably... that yeah, probably, though, Kim, makes it really interesting, an interesting, you know, sort of experience to go, the kids are talking yeah. it up. Yeah,
0: they're, they, they could... They Nobody
1: who's my age appears to be doing that and that's really interesting that's that's why it's important to pay attention to what the kids are finding important because they're they're taking us in a direction culturally and it helps if we can yeah and and to maybe to to probably wrap wrap up i actually can't
0: even see how long we've been on but i'm just guessing um it I mean, the kids, that's great because they don't have to suffer the weirdness that some of us can feel and have felt. And like you said, like if they're not comfortable in talking about anything from the health implications of menopause or Viagra or um, a marriage that's that that's solid, but if they can't meet in the middle somehow so that both sides feel heard and satisfied, then where are we? And um, you know, life is not a a sitcom. Life is not a Netflix show. Like you have to deal with your own stuff. And if you don't, no one else will. And you may find yourself without it if you, if you have it. So I think that's sort of the important thing is that maybe um, as we all trundle into this next phase of life, that we need to make the time for our mental and physical health, because without it, there's, there's no later and it doesn't have to be done in a closet or alone or um or in in shame or um i think that's that's just what i one of the benefits of of this particular moment in time
1: um yes and if it helps people to think about all of this as Mm -hmm. associated with wellness because it is it 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 isn't Sex is not disconnected from our health and our well-being, right? Our mental health or our physical health. Sex is not disconnected from it, mm-hmm. and this it was just was why I said make sure there's no diabetes or circulatory system. You know that those are those right. are real elements that connect. You know, depression, things like that, real elements that connect. And if it helps people to think, you know, this is a time in my life when I should start getting checked for this and that. Yeah. It is, and there's no shame in it. And there's, you know, don't let, don't let, don't let ageism mess up your life as well as everything else. You, you worked to get to the age that you are. It's not, it's not a shame. There's nothing shameful about any of this. Right. This is us in our bodies, in our relationships, in our intimate connections. That's where our sense of wellness generally comes from. It's, it's. It's an honor to take care of it. Right. And sometimes it's a a puzzle to unravel, but it's natural to do this. This is a time of change. Uh, Midlife, no shame in that. No, it's a good time. uh, Yeah, it's a good time to rethink everything. talk Talk about sex, but take a look at your diet. Make sure you're eating well. You know, do that. Because you're right, if your health is not good, um, you know, like the Princess Bride, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Well, I don't know about that. There are plenty of people who are, you know, alive and not having great health who are like, I have what I have. Yeah. But let's, let's look at that privacy and see the ways that it doesn't serve us, especially in our twosomes because there's no reason in a healthy relationship, even one where sex is gone pretty banked, not to be able to talk more intimately together about goals and desires and things like that. If it goes hella south, well, that's information that you might need to have. But don't be afraid to talk to a doctor or a therapist because people study to help people who have these issues these issues are common yeah it's no shame. right
0: which was my which was my point to you in in uh in in planning your introduction which is you Dr. Carol Queen are a sexologist and if you didn't have any clients you wouldn't be in business <laughs>
1: so right. and you and have enough clients
0: never... and enough to talk about to stay in business
1: my work uh, <laughs> My work is especially about about education. Right. And even even before you get into therapy. Right. Lack education about this stuff and just learning the filling the gaps of knowledge really changes people's lives. So, you know, I write books. I wrote the Sex and Pleasure book where I tried to stuff all of the, all the different relevant things in, you know, pick your chapter where you're going to start. I try to put as many things as possible because some of us will go to a sex therapist. Some of us won't do more than pick up a book on the internet for some answers. And if you do that, really, really try to make sure that it passes the smoke test. It well, does matter. There are plenty of people on the internet saying all kinds of things.
0: I, 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 that is for sure. And we all sit around fretting about what our friends and kids and relatives are reading on the internet. But um, I will put up on online with your interview, the list of books that of yours and that you suggested because they're wonderful. And I want to thank you for this opportunity for my, my first podcast, but also an incredibly important topic. And I want to bring you back because the next thing we need to talk about, of course, is Kid sex head and how we properly educate our teenagers or like in middle school to teenagers. And, but but I'll save that one. Yeah. So
1: if you'll. If you'll yeah. Have... Especially in the age of the cell phone where the kid can go through there and enter <laughs> multiple other worlds. Not only so, no. Keeping up with that. Uh, well, I, that I, is really.
0: Again, I'd like to thank Dr. Carol Queen for coming on and talking to me about sex and everything else um next time i'll figure out how to do both tracks for the for the audio so that um it's clearer but at least i got the podcast out so i hope you enjoyed it i'd love to hear from you any suggestions would be great um i'm a one woman show but thanks for listening to women's survival guide and hope i'll see you soon